Well, and good evening, and thanks for being here. <laughs> it's great. Um, so, uh, so um, tonight uh, we're going to look at um, vocation and calling, and facing up. And before we started, um, I don't know about you, but when I was uh, at university uh, in, in my sort of first year, when you met uh, new people. They'd ask you what college you're in, and then what what degree you did, uh, and then later on in life, if you kind of meet new people, eventually the conversation turns to, well, what do you do? So, like, what we do, our vocation, is a really big thing in our culture, and a really big thing in the Bible. And I'd just like you to um, think back to uh, when you were young. There was all that question about what do you want to do when you grow up. And you might remember that being asked you or thinking about that. So whoever you're near, can you ask them what they wanted to be <laughs> when they grew up? <laughs> That's, hopefully you've spoken to someone new and asked that question. Perhaps you didn't. <laughs> so I'm going to have to call you back now. I know this is very good, but it's, this is absolute chaos, I can see. <laughs> so... Um, so does anyone want to sort of say what they or what their companion said they wanted to do? Can we do that? Anyone want to, anyone want to shout out some stuff out? No. No idea. Neither is new. Okay. So, so like when I first thought about this question, what I want to be when I grew up, uh, um, I'm is I'm give quite a bizarre answer. So I wanted to discover sustained nuclear fusion. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? <laughs> and and I, I think I must have been really, really geeky about it. Uh, because I went on the like, Christian camps when I was like 12 and 13. Um, and you know, like people like sign your Bibles at the end. Like encouraging verses and, and things like that. I don't know if that still happens. Um, and anyway, in my Bible, this person I met, he said, um, ignite your deuterium. So that was... Uh, <laughs> That was very, very encouraging uh, in life. <laughs> um, so that's uh, bizarre, true. Uh, <laughs> and, and that is good, isn't it? Yeah. And, and later on in life, um, I wanted to be a doctor. That was of my late teens. Interesting, because I was convincing myself it was because of altruistic reasons, but I was actually deceiving myself. And I'll, I'll come back to that later on. So at tonight, we're going to look at vocation and calling. And as I said, vocation is like an important part of being a human being. And like we're all made in God's image. And, and part of being made in God's image involves you all bringing wise ordering into the world. And that's not just limited to, I guess, traditional jobs. But it could be uh, in voluntary work you're doing or... Um, in the community or a charity or even at home, looking after the people at home that you care for. So it's quite a broad thing, this sort of wise ordering into the world. And in this passage, we see that Peter was given uh, a vocation to do. To do. Um, and how that works itself out is quite interesting if we're trying to work out our vocation and our calling. So I really pray tonight that in this uh, service, that I guess you get a sense of 
as we've been saying, how like dearly loved that you are, and, and how that all of you have got stuff to do, which is really good, and it really matters. So John's Gospel, from where the reading comes tonight, it could have ended at, at chapter 20. I don't know if you've read the Gospel, but it's sort of like, it kind of sort of seems to end there. Uh, but then we have chapter 21, and it's a nice little epilogue to kind of match the prologue at the start, the famous um, John 1, which we hear at Christmas time. And, and John's Gospel was probably the, the last one to be written out of the, three, the four Gospels, um, around 80 to 110 AD. And the Gospel is a bit of a mature reflection, looking back on the story of Jesus. And in chapter 21, we're looking back on two individuals. We have Peter, looking back on him and his life story, and the disciple who Jesus loved. And the scholars are sort of debating about who that was. Um, possibly and probably it was John, the son of Zebedee. I just assume it will be, <laughs> I'll assume it will be him for the rest of this talk. So the, the author and compiler of John's Gospel considered it important to have this reflection on these two individuals. It's hard to put it in as this sort of epilogue. And some further context, which we've... Um, spoken about a bit tonight was um, before the verses the disciples had gone back to their old way of life as fishermen and Jesus appeared on the shore and he tells the disciples to cast out their nets and you should listen to Mark's sermon <laughs> from this morning <laughs> um, on a podcast about that where he preached about that um, and they caught so many fish that they couldn't like haul their nets in and then they had the famous uh, barbecue on the beach. Slide. <laughs> yes, it's, the, it's all really slick. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so this is the church. I don't know if you know. This is the church of the primacy of St. Peter. Okay, and it's on the northwest shores of the Sea of Galilee. And it's so traditionally, it's where this barbecue event took place. So this church was sort of built there. And you can see the kind of beach and the Sea of Galilee on the northern shores. And I, I hear that it's a really amazing place to go. Like really peaceful, beautiful, um, looking out onto the lake. So there we go there, check it out. Um, and you, it's interesting, this, this, the, the fishing story, like you might recall other miraculous catches in the Bible. And in fact, Luke talks about one at the beginning of Jesus' ministry involving Peter and John and some of the disciples where again there was this miraculous catch. And the final piece of the uh, backstory for today's talk is the denial that Peter did of knowing uh, Jesus as he stood trial. And so three times Peter denied knowing Jesus as Jesus predicted. Okay, so... Sort of, that's good. <laughs> so um, these these four things, I suppose, that we'll we'll look at a bit tonight about our calling or things we might have to face up to. Um, and in finding finding our calling and our vocation, our God may need to deal with stuff that's in us, burdens from the past and failings. Uh, and Meg mentioned this this picture she had of the the air freshener and how it could be running out, and you can keep trying to do the same thing. But underlying that 
there's something that needs to be sorted. So there's that as part, sorting those underlying things is important for our vocation and our calling. And it's not that God can't use us despite that. It's just that he'd like to use us as well as he can. So sorting out these underlying things is important. The second thing we're going to look at is how God takes risks. He takes risks, risks with us. And he decides to work with us even though we may not have any qualifications or not even get it, what we've been asked to do. And then the other thing about vocation and calling that is that it aligns with the pattern that Christ gave us with his life. So the servant-hearted, underpinned by love. And the final thing, which I think is very difficult, which is we should resist dwelling on envy about others and what they do. So here in this passage, we find, as I said, Jesus going back to his vocation as a fisherman. And fair enough, you might think, um, because that's what he could, he could do. Um, and we can see that uh, in Luke 5, verse, uh, verse 10, where we sort of I came to that before, that he left his fishing vocation when he was first called and took on this vocation as a fisher of people. But Jesus wanted to commission Peter afresh to a new vocation. And this meant restoring him and dealing with Peter's denial of knowing Jesus. And the denial appears in all four gospel accounts. And we know that Jesus became a leader of the church. So remember, this gospel was written between 80 and 110 AD. So I think naturally the readers, when they read about his denial story, would have wondered, well, how was Peter sorted out? How was, it, how was Peter reconciled to Jesus? And if we failed Jesus, it can be difficult to forgive ourselves, and we can despair, and we can think we're not of any use to him, and we can go inwards. That's what I have to do. I have a tendency to go inwards if I've messed up. And we can carry this, this history, this burden around with us. And it can almost define us, this stuff, these failings. And Jesus knows about that stuff. And fortunately, even though we can't deal with it, um, for Peter and for us, Jesus takes the initiative and as the disciples hauled in their fish, <laughs> their fish, Peter he jumps over the boat and he, he comes he comes to Jesus and we all need to do that. We need to, to turn to Jesus, particularly when we feel unacceptable um, to him. Uh, and the conversation that then happens on the on the beach. It, it's it's a beautiful scene. And it happens over a, a charcoal fire, and that sort of mirrors the scene of Peter's betrayal of Jesus earlier on, when he was warming his hands on the fire outside the house of the high priest when Jesus was on trial. So there's all this sort of symmetry going on. And so the stage, the stage is set. And the old memories of shame and pain are reviewed and dealt with by Jesus. And Jesus asks three times, says to Peter if he loves him. And the Greek word that Jesus uses, agape, is sort of unconditional love, a sort of act of will type love. And the thrice betrayal is matched by the thrice emphasis on love. And this is the, the heart of the, of the gospel. You know, we can come to God honestly, and everything is, can be stripped back, and we can be vulnerable, 
We can wonder what's going to happen. And the thing about Jesus is he responds with such astonishing, affirming love. So part of our calling and vocation is coming to God with our failings and our hurts and letting him heal and restore us. And so Peter, you see, he responds by saying that he does um, love Jesus. But if you, you see as it goes on the third time, he's, he's not quite getting it, Peter. <laughs> and like you can hear the, the hurt. In fact, it talks about that in the gospel, the hurt in his voice as he answers the third time. And so if you imagine you were reading this gospel, you could be left hanging thinking, okay, so they're going through this scene where Jesus was restoring him. But Peter was still hurt. And was he really getting it? Was he really understanding what Jesus was saying? It's all about love. It's all about love. It's all about love. <laughs> but we, if you go on and read some of Peter's letters, the glorious thing is that we see that he did get it. He did understand later on what it meant to be a shepherd to God's people and to live and to love. And so the remarkable truth for Peter and for us is that Jesus believes in you. <laughs> and me even if we don't believe in ourselves even if we misunderstand what Jesus may be saying to us we don't understand the Bible or things are just confusing in, in life and the thing is God takes he takes risks he takes risks with you guys uh, and me <laughs> and he wants to involve you and me in working out his plans and purposes to redeem and rescue the world and he just loves to involve you in his work. Now you might feel that your offering, what you have to give, is not very good. That's a bit insignificant. But it's, it's Jesus who takes it and he makes it matter. So part of exploring our calling is to know that God wants to take you on an adventure. <laughs> and that, that doesn't mean flying off to faraway countries. It means daring to live as a different type of human being right where you're at in all the relationships you've got and in your workplace but it is an adventure and it comes with risk for God because he starts with us just where we are so with Peter healed and restored he's given a fresh vocation and then if you see it at the end of uh, each line and he says Jesus says to him right okay so you need to feed my lambs. You need to tend my sheep. And you need to feed my sheep. So Jesus is commissioning Peter to take on the shepherd role that Jesus had been performing, looking after and serving God's new extended family, the church. So no longer is Peter just a fisher of men, like he was when he was originally called in Luke's Gospel. But he's also to look after and lead those who are now following Jesus and will follow Jesus. And we see here the, one of the key qualities of Christian leadership. And it's, this, it's love. It's so important. Loving God and loving others. So part of our calling, wherever we are, whatever we do, is to take on this loving servant role. So then we go on a bit in the passage after this and after the bit where Jesus said, uh, Peter says he's hurt and then Jesus basically then tells him what's going to happen at the end of his life and it's not that great. <laughs> and he, so he's saying that, um, that he, what he's talking about when he says 
you'll be stretched out in your hands. So that's, that refers to crucifixion. So he's saying that, you know, Peter, at the end of your ministry or end of your life, you're going to be taken away and by someone who you don't want to go to and you're going to be executed. And so again, it's this costly act of following Jesus. It's the, the shepherd role and it ends in this sort of crucifixion for Peter. So the calling um, or calling and vocation can be, it can be costly. And the, the early Christian communities would have known what happened to Peter and in the purges of Emperor Nero in the 60s AD when Peter and Paul and many others were killed. And so the thing is, because this vocation is costly, there is this sense of sometimes we have to want to move on, move on with God, not stay where we are. And we might have to accept that the things we're called to do, maybe we don't want to actually do them. <laughs> and it may, and that is part of this cost. So the features of Peter's vocation centered on Christ. God taking risks with him. Being joyful. Uh, Christian life is about being joyful, not burdened by shames and failures, and becoming that servant, becoming a Christ-like shepherd. It's interesting because I was reflecting how vocation in these verses is quite different as to how vocation is defined by our culture. Ah, there we go. (laughs) So, um, so vocation in our culture is sort of me-centered. I don't know. I don't know what it's like in, in your work, but people even talk about. Um, they don't just talk about getting careers and getting I don't know really far in your career. They talk about like career portfolios, <laughs> like taking different bits and making your own career up by all the different bits. You know, it's so me-centered, so me-centered. And this pastor says, no, no, it's not me-centered. It's Christ-centered. And vocation art culture is often measured by your achievements, your achievements, or your advancement in your, in your jobs, whatever it is, to such an extent that it becomes to define you as a person by how far you're going and what you've achieved. This idea of progress, progress. And the thing is, this passage shows us that it's all about being a servant and about and a loving servant, and your achievements and advances don't don't matter <laughs> in the light of that. And the final thing about um, vocation in our culture and calling is that it's so it can be so self-consuming, and it can corrode away everything about who we are. So things like our hobbies and our friendships and our family can just all wither away as we pursue these what our culture says we should for vocation. But in Christ, we're called to love him and enjoy him and enjoy creation and enjoy being with each other and serving each other. So I was... Um, so there's stuff on the left. I was probably enthralled to that, um, that approach in my late teens. And I think I talked about how I wanted to be uh, a doctor. Uh, and, and I was kidding myself that it was about 
like saving the world and being altruistic. But it, it wasn't, wasn't really at all about that. And the, the drive for me was my insecurities were driving me. Insecurities. And I wanted this career in medicine for the kind of prestige and the admiration of others. Trying to fill this black hole of insecurity. And as I say, we're not here on earth to build monuments to our insecurities. So exploring our vocation may mean we have to face up to a few things. We may have failed Jesus and need his restoring, healing love. We may need to know afresh that we're made in the image of God, that God wants to work with us to work out his purposes, that he takes risks, and he takes risks with you. We also need to accept that our vocation from God is not necessarily going to be easy and sometimes not massively appealing, but it's the right place to be, the sure foundation. We might also need some of the patterns, some of our thought processes about how we perceive and make decisions to be challenged and remoulded by the Holy Spirit. So on to the um, second disciple in this story, uh, John, or say he's John, the disciple who Jesus loved. And so we see that Peter, in response to being told about his martyrdom, he's like, oh, what, about, what about this guy? What about, what about John? Is he going to go the, the same way? <laughs> and this is a bit, you know, a bit bizarre, but I suppose you think it's a bit, a bit of a, na- quite a natural question, because he had been a companion with John, right, from his calling, and their stories are quite intertwined as the gospel goes on. But there's, I think there's a little bit of a hint, maybe, of rivalry and tension between Peter and John. And the fact that there is that little bit of a hint of rival and tension shows that Peter still has got a lot to learn about vocation and leadership. Okay. <laughs> so, um, strange uh, juxtaposition. Um, so, have you... I don't know if you've ever looked at other people or other Christians and like and envied them, envied them for what they do or what they do in church or people at work. And so when I was a teenager, um, these youth camps I went on about um, igniting your deuterium, <laughs> I, I remember that uh, um, whenever the worship happened uh, at these camps, they always seemed to be led by a male in their little late teens, early 20s, with really good hair um, uh, and, and, and quite trendy clothes. They're strumming away on the guitar. And the thing, I remember thinking, that's really good. And primarily really good because they had the admiration of many girls. So, uh, <laughs> and I remember wanting to do that role. Again, these biting insecurities gnawing away at me. Um, so I've put a, I think he's a Hillsong worship guy. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. Just the photo I found. Um, and the, the quote on the right is from The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis. And, and so Jesus responds head on to Peter's question about John. And he was quite, quite abrupt, actually. And he, he says to Peter, don't, don't concern yourself with what John's going to do and his calling. Don't worry about that. You just need to follow me. You just need to follow me and know that I believe in you, Peter, and I'm calling you to do this. 
And we're all part of the body of Christ. You know, you might wonder, have what I have got to offer? Is it any good? And like, all I'd say to you is, all the parts matter. And we all need each other. There is no self-sufficiency in the body of Christ. And this quote from C.S. Lewis, he's explaining in the Narnia story of the horse and his boy to one of the protagonists, just concern yourself with your own story, which I'm telling you. So Aslan's working out his story. Don't worry about her story. You only know about your own story. So, we're all made in God's image. We all have a vocation. And to realize this, we may need to approach Jesus now in our brokenness and ask him to deal with past sin and failings. And you might need to confess careerism type thinking about your vocation and ask the Spirit to work afresh in your thinking. You might want a fresh dose of the love that God has for you. To be built up. To know that you're his child. Perhaps you've been involved in rivalry and competitiveness in work or in church. And that's driven these insecurities in you as it has in me. So this could be a time to talk to God about that. You might want to talk to God about what your vocation could be. In this story, Peter and John returned to fishing, but they encountered Jesus again via a miraculous catch of fish, echoing their original calling. In a sense, Jesus was bringing them back to the beginning and their responses to his first call but to help them recognize him afresh and move on and Jesus is calling me and you he takes risks and he promises to be with us to the end so I don't know where you are tonight with God with all this stuff and maybe you need to face up to a few things. We were praying beforehand, and um, uh, one of us had a, this idea of like this grit, grit in the eye, which is just there, just there, I guess, affecting how you can see and, all, and, and your awareness and your ability to do things. Maybe there's something in you that just needs to deal with tonight. You might be here and not really know who Jesus is but like the disciples you might think I want to follow this guy to start the adventure to embrace the God who believes in you and will never let go of you you also might want to come back to Jesus maybe you just feel rotten inside in a sense of just you don't feel any good feel tired and weary and you might want to commit to him afresh and rediscover and seek your calling and vocation. So I'm going to just um, pray now and then I'm going to ask Pete to play a song which spoke to me when I prepared this talk. And it, it spoke to me in a sense of how 
Well, you'll hear the, the words and the lyrics, but how God reaches out to us and takes us on this journey, and how it is a bit of an adventure, and it is a bit of a risk, but what a breathtaking, exciting ride. So I'm just going to pray. Father God, I just pray tonight that we can um, come to you and, and know you. And if we're here and we're just carrying stuff in our lives, I just pray, Lord, that you reveal it and you give us the courage to maybe deal with it with you. I just also pray for what we do in our lives. I just pray that you confirm to us that you're pleased with us, that you love us, and that you delight in us. And I also pray for anyone here who's just not sure what their calling is or their vocation. And I just pray, Lord, that you will be with that person, those people, and reveal some of your heart. And the features of a vocation of you, of a servant-heartedness, of love, of knowing your own story and not being envious of others.